Welcome to Scary Tales and Cereals. And Lord, let's just say life. We're just going to keep saying life. We're not even going to say our intro. We're just going to say life is life. It's just life. This week's episode is one of mine. And it's a big one for me. So I'm going to do really hard. Try really hard not to cry if I cry. I I might. I'm going to screenshot it. Yeah, it'll be real bad. Researching this case for me was really hard. And I didn't realize how affected I am completely by this case. This one is also not just a case for me, it is the case for me. It's one of the first true crime cases I can actually remember from childhood. And as a matter of fact, if I close my eyes, I can still, I could probably describe in detail the um, missing person photo. Because it fucked up my world. So, see, that's how I was with John Bonet. Yeah, and like this that one case still. Oh, oh yeah, John Bonet gets me, but this one I relate to on so many different levels. So it's very, very touchy. And me researching this case, I had to listen to a podcast on this because I was like, well, maybe I can find some stuff that I'm not finding in you know articles. And I was fucking furious. I went through a roller coaster of emotion. I was crying at one point. Every time they said this girl's name, I literally got chills all the way through my body. And then they were cracking jokes, which were all for jokes. You know, we're all right, for jokes. There's a, time, there's a time and a place. Exactly. And this and one there's a way me, to execute. Yeah, this one for me. They didn't do it. So I was pissed. I was upset. Now, being a parent, I see it from the parent standpoint, but I also see it from the child standpoint because it happened when I was little. So I remember hearing of it, but I don't think I was old enough to remember. Oh my God. I remember this case like it was literally yesterday. And it's horrifying to me to realize how much I remember of it. We are covering the disappearance of Sarah Ann Wood today, and actually, she was four years older than me, and when she disappeared, she lived about 45 minutes from my house, so we actually had the same haircut at that point in time, and it was the first time that I actually realized, you know, when you're a kid, you don't you don't realize all the bad shit that happens because your parents try to, you know, shield you from that and they want you to see everything right. good and this well, you, you don't you, you don't expect evil to be at your back door so to speak. Absolutely not. And this was the first time I actually remember feeling afraid and realizing that monsters are not under the bed and in the closet. They are fucking everywhere. And oh, even still it's terrifying. It's terrifying, but to be, I was eight when she went missing. She was 12, and I actually very vividly remember going to the stores and thinking, what would we do if we found her? Like, 
I just thought she'd be walking around somewhere with someone. It's surreal to me. Well, you know, at at that age, though, even now, though, I'm guilty of it. Like, I always think of the worst case scenarios when I'm anywhere. Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. What would, what would I do if, like, God forbid, one of these, like, yeah, crazy people came in with, like, a gun and started shooting? Like, what would I do? Exactly. And, and you it's know, terrifying to think of. Yeah. I remember from a kid's standpoint thinking to myself, what if she's afraid of the dark? What if she has a stuffed animal she needs? What if she, I bet she misses her mommy? Like, that kind of stuff should not play in a kid's mind, but for me, it did. And that's what really sticks out to me. Cause well, I, I think that those are normal things. Like, as a kid, you think of, like, hey, I wonder what their favorite color is, or I wonder what their favorite <laughs> food is. Yeah, so I need you to do me a favor and I need you to get your fun book and find me a really good insult for this piece of fucking shit because uh, we will be talking about a suspect and I don't have nice words, so we're going to use something else because I don't think waste of space or garbage covers it. All right, so I'm just opening to, what do we got? Something stained. Let me see. We got stain and we got piss stain. Piss stain works. I like piss stain. Listen, y'all, I got a book. Tara got this book and it is fabulous because when you don't feel like cursing, you just yeah. kind of pull out this. It's great. I like piss stain. It's appropriate. And when you see oh. this fucker, he looks like he pees the bed. He's disgusting. <laughs> I can't. I can't even. So <laughs> he looks like he pees the bed. He does look like he pees the bed. <laughs> he really does. He's fucking disgusting. And I bet he wants it. He doesn't even watch the sheets because he likes the smell. That's Oh that's god, that's so grody. Oh, he's disgusting. And he's got quite a list of victims, actually. And suspected victims. So when we get into him, you'll kind of You'll see. It's... I I don't have words. So, let's talk about our girl. Sarah Ann Wood was born on March 4th, 1981, to her parents, Robert and Frances Wood. Now, she was born March 4th in 81. I was born April 2nd, four years later, so we are even kind of close that way. Um, Wait, when was she born? March 4th of 1981. 1980. Fuck, I wasn't even a goddamn seed in my dad's sack. Nope. You weren't. So... I came came out in 88, or 89, people. Yeah. Nope. Her parents were Robert and Frances Wood, and she was the youngest of three. She had a brother named Dusty and a sister named Nikki, and everybody described her as a bubbly girl who everyone loved to be around. She was a cheerleader, and she loved to dance, and she was very, very close to God. Her dad was actually a pastor at a local church in the town of Litchfield, New York. Ain't that a fucking polar opposite of you? Yeah, a little. Yeah. (laughs) Your dad being a pastor, oh good lord, could you imagine? No. So, we're going to 1993 now. Oh, hey, I'm a born one. Yeah. 1993. It's August 18th. It was a typical warm summer day in the town of Litchfield, which is in Herkimer County in upstate New York. And like I said, it's about 
45 to 47 minutes away from where I grew up. So it's not that far. And it's about a 22-minute drive from Utica. On this day, on the 18th, Sarah Ann was going to Vacation Bible School at her dad's church, which was called the Norwich Corners Church. And it was on Roberts Road and Graffin Road in Frankfurt. So it was a little bit past the town line. Sarah Ann attended Bible school there. And at around 2.30 that afternoon, she packed up to go home. She grabbed poster board, crayons, a church songbook, and 8x10 transparencies. Do you remember transparencies or are you too little? I think so. They're those clear plastic sheets that teachers yes. write on. They put them on the projectors that would put up yeah. on the wall. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so she had some of those with her as well. And she got on her pink bike and headed home. The church was a three-minute car ride. So it was about a two-mile bike ride from her house. So it's not that far. Now, how old is she at this point? She's 12. Okay. She's 12 years old. She's riding a two-mile ride home. Uh, she was riding her bike. And what we do know is that witnesses last saw her about a half a mile from her house on Hackadam Road. Half a mile from her house, she could probably see her fucking yard at this point. I was going to say, Brantley walks fishing. He walks the hill. He's almost 12. Yeah. Yeah. But everywhere he fishes, he can see our road, like, to yeah. our road. Yep. So, that's about his fishing walk. Yeah. So, she's half a mile on her bike from home. And that, that fucks me up. Because, like, you're home stretch. You see home. You're ready. You know, you're ready to go. Right. And she's but got she all her craft stuff and got this yep. big thing planned. And she did not make it home. And her parents immediately got worried, so they called the New York State Police immediately. The day she went missing, she had brown curly hair, and it was shoulder length and like a bob. She had blue eyes, and she wore tortoise shell framed glasses. Now, she was either wearing them or she had them on her. She didn't always have them on, but she always packed them. So, she had her glasses, she had dimples on both of her cheeks, and she had freckles. She had scars on both of her legs because kids and one toe on each foot was disabled so one toe on each of her feet did not work properly hmm. yeah she was five foot and she weighed about 90 96 pounds and the day she went missing she was wearing a pink t-shirt with the phrase guess who on the front and she was wearing teal shorts and a headband and she had brown sandals on and she also had with her a silver key ring that had four keys on it and there was a plastic green and white number one on the key ring i'm trying to think okay if she's on this stretch of road she's yep. that far from her house she can see her house yep now the area was there like neighbors in shot was there houses there yep there were neighbors it was a quiet street so it, went, it wasn't like crazy busy but you got to figure too it's summer so parents are probably at work right it's 2 30 in the afternoon well, that's what um, I was people, thinking, because all I keep picturing is, like, my road. Yeah. Kind of, where, yeah, kind of like that. Where there's neighbors, you but you're not going to really see right. too many people. As soon as she was reported missing, police started searching. And the first thing they came upon was her pink bike, which was leaning up against a tree. But what really got their attention was scattered all over and in some brush near her bike 
was her crayons, her poster board, the songbook, the poster board, the transparencies were scattered all over the place. So something was obviously wrong. Now, if you're going to nab a child on a bike. Yep. Do you really take the time to rest it nicely on a side of a tree? Unless, by chance, say she got off the bike to go pick flowers Well, she did it. I think it was more she kind of, wherever the bike fell, I don't think it was neatly leaning. I think it was more like fell over and was propped on the tree. Oh, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like the drop-and-go, haul-ass type drop. Yeah. With this discovery, police went into full swing for Sarah Ann, and they immediately brought in police dogs, and volunteers started searching a 50-mile radius for Sarah Ann. They did not find anything. Pink and turquoise ribbons were tied to trees in the area very, very soon after, and those were Sarah Ann's favorite colors. So the community really... This was a hard hit for them, and they really sprang into action with this. Now, when she went missing, Mm -hmm. at the time, was there any other, like, instances where they've had, like, burglaries or shit like that in the area? Well, here's the thing. I actually looked this up, and they were saying that they could remember the last time there was any sort of crime done in their town at all, and it was a break-in of a garage five years earlier. So it was kind of one of those quaint little peaceful areas. Yeah. Nothing happens in this town. Nobody would ever think anything like this would happen, or that your children were safe. This came out of fucking nowhere. And she's the only one in that area. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There hasn't been any more since? Not really. There are some on a list, but they're kind of all over the place in different spots. But she's the only one from that immediate area. Now that's odd. Well, this guy's fucking odd. So. (laughs) Our piss thing. (laughs) I'm so, I hate this man. I hate this man so much. This was the first time I remember seeing her photo. It was on the news that night. That was when my parents started talking to us about what to do if a car stopped. Stranger danger. We were we were told, you know, kick, punch, run, scream, draw fucking attention, but run your ass off. And that was scary to me. You know what I mean? Because well, yeah. I'm, I'm eight years old. My baby sister is six at this point, and... When you're an older sibling, you automatically have that I need to protect this other person thing anyway. Yep. So Listen, I still do that. My brother's 26. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's just something that's like embedded in your brain. You're just there to protect them. Like so it's I like re- throw down or no down type deal. Exactly. Like. I remember this very vividly. I remember the news. I remember the picture that they put on the news and it was of Sarah Ann and she was wearing a red sweatshirt that said Sequoia in white letters and it had a megaphone on it and one hand was on her hip and the other one was straight up in the air and she was in a cheer pose and she was holding pom-poms. She was looking straight at the camera and her eyes literally like stared right into you and you could see her dimples and her smile was just so warm. Um, I don't know if I know what she looks like. Oh, this photo, literally, if I close my fucking eyes, 
or someone mentions this case, I see it in my head. Like, I just saw it on the news. It is insane to me. At that point in my life, I was, surprise, surprise, attending vacation Bible school. I had blue eyes. I had shoulder length brown hair. I liked to dance. I had a pink bike. Like, all of these things were so close to what I was experiencing at that point in time that, to me, thinking, Jesus, this could have been me, was terrifying. Well, you know, also, mm -hmm. I've heard of the place or the area that her dad's church is in. I went to college in Utica, so obviously you hear of all these places. Like, yeah, Mohawk, Mohawk Valley is, you know, in that realm. Yeah. And I've heard, like, the horror stories, even when I went to college, and that was in 07. Don't go out mm -hmm. after dark. Avoid this area. Don't go near this part of town. Oh, yeah. And I, and I was 17, so I can't imagine being 8 or 9 or younger. No. You know, in a time where, oh, hey, you can't ride your bike in your driveway. No. And this was before that time even hit. So, like, this was pre- watch the fuck what you're doing this was just right. i'm That's going what I'm to saying. ride have fun like i can't imagine going from carefree to like watch it you can't ride in the driveway not. absolutely not and i remember being so freaked out when i was a kid that like our road was like an offshoot and people used to fly down that road so we would be playing in the yard and our driveway was quite a ways back but once this happened, if somebody drove slower than what was normal for me to see, I literally ran inside. I was scared shitless all the time. Oh, yeah. I can only um, imagine. Oh, it was terrifying. I remember watching her parents on the news, asking for her to come home, asking for whoever had her to let her go. That kind of shit is just insane to me. You know, I wondered to, and then part, my other part of my brain is like, what does an adult want with a kid? Can they not have babies of their own and they're just going to take care of it? Like, now, you don't have those sick fucking fucked up thoughts that people can be so disgusting. Curiosity. Was there like a fair going on? Was there a carnival going no. on? Was there no anything? And I know that sounds like. No pinpointing I, a suspect i completely but. understand i understand but no there was nothing happening there was no reason for anybody out of town to be there there was nothing happening where it would attract tourists of any kind because i know um, back like when my mom was little like well she was born in 72 but before she had me i remember mm -hmm. her telling me you know like the fairs and stuff the carnies oh, yeah. and that they would just drive around and people would hitchhike. Oh and, yeah. Constantly. You know, if she's little, you know, she yep. sees a fun car come up. Hey. Yeah. Nope. I mean, even at 12, yeah. they're naive. Oh yeah, absolutely. Getting back to Sarah. In the first hours that Sarah Ann had gone missing, uh, police and volunteers spread out and they searched woods, cornfields, they used helicopters. They had every canine unit they could get their hands on come in to help with this. Okay? Well, that's awesome. And within the first five days, they had expanded their search to a 40 to 50 mile radius. So they were like branching out as 
as far as they could stretch. Local search efforts were leading to dead ends, and after five days with no new leads, the photo of the girl in the red sweater went national, and the local search was called off because they were trying to, you know, had phone calls, look at everything. They didn't want people to get spooked or right. whatever, you know. After it went national, it was picked up by America's Most Wanted and 48 Hours and Unsolved Mysteries covered her as well. But they led to nothing. Sarah Ann's parents jumped immediately into action. And actually, this is, I think this is pretty cool. The first few days that Sarah Ann was missing, her parents formed a rescue center and it was based at the church. So Sarah Ann's father was the preacher. It was also the last place Sarah Ann was before she went missing. I mean, she was riding her bike, but that's the last solid place people could say she actually was. The church was very small and it only had about 40 parishioners, maybe 55. So it was not a big congregation. Like this was a small, tiny place. The center was named the Sarah Ann Wood Rescue Center, and they produced flyers. They distribute them all over the United States. Months after she went missing, volunteers were still coming out by the hundreds to help distribute posters. They began actually using phone books for out of the area, and they were contacting convenience stores, restaurants, businesses, and some businesses that weren't even in town, and they spoke to them about putting her flyers on international orders. So they were shipping these overseas now, too, just trying to get her face out anywhere that they could think that anybody could have taken her. They contacted every postmaster and taxi company in the United States. And That's fucking awesome. It, yeah, they went crazy. And they received Although missing posters, and volunteers were actually... Sending out flyers like rapid fire. So by September, September now, it's been a month and a half since Sarah Ann went missing. And the research center, or rescue center rather, had already distributed over 3 million posters. And they had circulated about 20,000 posters daily. Uh, people were actually donating food to people who were working in the poster center. Just like, hey, we'll bring you lunch. Don't worry about any of that. They were donating food, donating time. Donations started piling up, and they actually had a reward that they issued. And it's a, it's a big fucking reward. The reward that they issued was $150,000, which in today's money is $310,557.09. So now... They have all this happening, which is yeah. fabulous because, like I said, I can't blame yep. them. I would be doing the exact same thing. Yes. But now, was there any, like, neighbor or anybody from town that was, like, throwing red flags, like, overly helping? No. Because, I mean, we know from experiences and, you mm -hmm. know, past stories that that one over-the-top neighbor is usually the yeah. one... The way that this, I will call him a suspect, is found is the most unorthodox fucking way possible. This guy would have never been on anybody's radar. Never. Which is so weird because usually the ones that did it are usually the ones that are so active in the 
Yeah, no, that he, helps. he was just kind of moving on through. Today, the Sarah Ann Wood Rescue Center has a new name, and it is called the Mohawk Valley Branch of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Just to fast forward a little bit, in 1995, Sarah Ann's father gathered a small group of bicyclists to raise awareness. So they rode a 400-mile stretch to the United States Capitol to raise awareness for Sarah Ann's case. That's insane. Uh, The ride took place on May 25th of 1995, and that day is now known and recognized as the National Missing Children's Day. And this ride still takes place today. And it's grown by leaps and bounds. I'm getting choked up. Jesus. Today, communities across New York State get on their bikes on the 25th of May, and they all wear teal and pink to show support for Sarah Ann and keep her memory alive. And they ride to the Capitol. And each year, the line of bikes gets longer, and the streak in pink and teal get thicker with each ride. And That's the ride insane. is. It's crazy. The ride is now called the Ride for Missing Children, and it commemorates not only the colors for Sarah Ann, but it also was the last thing she was doing was riding her bike home. It makes you wonder, because like I said, I wasn't born yet, but I was born in 89, so all of this is happening Yeah, in the spring of things. Like, I I was born in September, so all of this is happening. Yeah you know, in the mix of me growing up. Yeah, absolutely. I literally was Waylon's age, two, three, four, you know, and all this is happening. And now it's like, damn, that's scary as fuck. It's insane. Back to 1993. We have to remember this is a small little town, right? So stranger danger was not something that parents talked about with their kids very much because everybody knew everybody, you know? It was one of those fucking tiny little places. And like I said, the last criminal thing that had happened in that town was five years before, and it was a garage break-in. And I think they stole, like, a couple tools or vandalized something. Like, it wasn't Grand Theft Auto or anything that would escalate to something like this. By the end of September of that year, the task force that was working on Sarah Ann's disappearance was 40 investigators. And they were full-time on her case alone. And community volunteers and the task force by September had generated 1,400 leads in Sarah Ann's disappearance. But all those leads led nowhere. How does somebody steal a child and just, like, fall off the face of the earth? Oh, you wait till you fucking hear this son of a bitch. I... I mean... Knowing a child, you're going to have to, unless you, like, completely change who they are mm-hmm. in hop counties or areas, that child's going to see something that registers. Yeah. Well, unfortunately for us, and unfortunately for this case, this guy is not in the habit of keeping the people he takes. And Ugh. he's not in the habit of keeping them alive. What the fuck is fuck? You need the name. We're going to fast forward a little bit now. This is January of 94. I really want to focus on Sarah Ann, but this is where her case turns into something different. And this is where Pistain comes into play. January of 1994, 
an attempted abduction led to a break in the case, supposedly. Now, I'm going to say supposedly because after me doing a lot of research on this, in my opinion, this fucking man is a sick, literal waste of air. But I don't think he had anything to do with this. It's going to get graphic. It's going to get bad. It's going to get gross. So brace yourself. Hold on to your bridges, people. Here we roll. Yeah, here we go. January 7th of 1994, there was fresh snow on the ground, and another 12-year-old was a 7th grader named Rebecca Siversi, and she was walking the one and a half miles from her house to Notre Dame Middle School in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, okay? So the school was just over the New York border. So we're not too, too far away. We're still in New York, but it's a, it's a Massachusetts school. Rebecca was listening to Smashing Pumpkins on her disc man. A guy wearing really grungy clothes walked up to her and flashed a gun. And he said, you see the gun I have? And he motioned her to walk towards a blue pickup truck that was parked outside a bank nearby. This fucking man. I can't even call him a man. He's, I can't. He's a piss stain. This fucking piss stain did not understand what he had gotten himself into at this point. Because Rebecca was very smart, and she had been taught by her mom, who was a convenience store cashier, that if you ever get approached, you are to do whatever you can to save yourself. You kick, you bite, you scream, you punch, you do whatever the fuck you need to do. Rebecca listened to her mother and was later quoted as saying, because she did survive, she said, I knew if I got in that truck, everything would be over. She's 12. She's 12. She's fucking 12. That's impressive. She knew if she got in that truck, she was never going to be seen again. Thinking on her feet, she chose to risk her life. And what she did was fucking crazy. This guy has a gun and he's pushing her towards the truck. And she acted so scared that she might pass out. So she went to like fall. And when she fell, the guy went to catch her, but all he got was her backpack that she had slipped off of herself and ran. Hell yeah. She found a maintenance man working in the bank parking lot and reported him and they went to the police. This fucking idiot is just that, and he is a piss stain. And that same afternoon, he was enjoying a tuna fish sandwich at his friend's house when the cops knocked on the door and arrested him for an attempted kidnapping. He pled not guilty automatically, and the piss stain's name is Louis Lent Jr. He is a disgusting fucking monster in his 40s who wore glasses thicker than the bottom of Coke bottles. Easy now. You do too. I do, but these... Have you seen Trailer Park Boys? Yep. Bubbles? Bubbles. But he looks... (laughs) Like a grungy dumpster version of Bubbles. I feel bad even insulting Bubbles at this point. This Listen, g- Bubbles is good shit, even if he lives in a shed. Absolutely. Lent pled not guilty the, to the crime, but he was actually implicated in more crimes. While he was serving time for this attempted kidnapping, they found a connection to Lent with another 12-year-old's murder. And this 12-year-old... This 12-year-old was Pittsfield native James Bernardo. 
This is where it oh, gets so fucked he switches. Pistache now decides it's a good idea to start making confessions for different murders of children. Oh my lord. The first of those was 12-year-old James Jimmy Bernardo. James went by Jimmy, and in 1990, Lent was working as a custodian at a movie theater in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Now we're going to get graphic. I'm going to try. Lent confessed that he took Jimmy by knife point, brought him to his house, taped him down to the bed, ripped his clothes off, and sexually assaulted him. He then said that he brought Jimmy back to his childhood home, which was near Newfield, New York, and murdered Jimmy by lynching him. Oh my God, what the fuck? They did find Jimmy Bernardo's nude body hanging from a tree. Okay, so he's not, obviously he doesn't have a preference. He goes both ways. He does not have a preference, no. And obviously he's living some kind of fucked up traumatic trauma. Yeah. He was probably exposed to. Well, his mom's a piece of work and I fucking hate her too. So we're not going to Well, that's even... what I'm saying. Like, is he, he he's um, been exposed to certain things. Spoiler alert. His mommy still thinks he's innocent. Your fucking son confessed. Two murders and gave you detail to sick, fucking depraved ex, and you're gonna sit in a courtroom and say they they arrested an innocent man? Get the fuck off your Listen, goddamn high horse, lady. I love my children, but if there was that much proof no. that much, there would be no doubt. Like, you're a fucking twisted, sick individual. That was the first confession he made. The second confession this fucker made was to the murder of 12-year-old Sarah Ann Wood. No, he confesses, but do we feel he did it? I don't. I honestly don't. And I'll tell you why. I think he is fucked up. I think he definitely did some of these. I definitely think he's guilty for Jimmy Bernardo. But I think... He got some notoriety out of this and made it into some kind of sick game for attention. Well, and that's what I was gonna. That's what my other question was gonna be: Is he on like this sick, like, power trip of like, hey, let's see how far I can take this for my uh, demonic yeah. self? Here we go. You ready? In his confession, this piss stain stated that he was out looking for a new victim, and this makes me fucking sick. When he saw 12-year-old Sarah Ann riding her cute little pink bike. What kind of sick, twisted fuck could take a children's bicycle and turn it into something so grotesque? Like, what the fuck? So now, he stated that he used a knife to get control of Sarah Ann. He bound her hands with tape and put her in his car. He said he drove her to the Adirondack Mountains and sexually assaulted her and then bludgeoned her to death with a tree branch. He then told police that he buried her near Racket Lake and he even drew them a map for where they could find her body. And the map showed that her body was either somewhere in or around the town of Inlet. To give you an idea of what kind of sick, 
twisted bitch this guy is. If this is actually true, okay, if this is true, that means he bound this terrified child by her hands. He did not put tape on her mouth so he could listen to her cry and plead and want to go home and drove her an hour and 20 minutes from her home to do this. At this point, so if he did do that, yep, in the amount of time it took him to drive from yep, where he got, got her to where he supposedly did all that to yep. her, yep, her parents had just figured out she was missing. Yeah. So he worked either super, super fast. He got her in the car and he booked out. Or he had already kind of targeted her. Her. And had been watching her for a couple of days to know her routine. According to this, it was like a passing by chance kind of thing. He was just driving through and was like, oh, hey, cute pink bike. Let's do this. Yeah, but still, something don't make sense because he would have had to known that the street she was on would be desolate. There'd be nobody around. Yeah, I don't think he's smart enough to give a shit. I really but don't. I don't know. I don't. Police at this point stopped exactly what they were doing and they spanned out for a recovery mission and they went to Racket Lake. Okay. I've been there. The weather was terrible and there was a huge snowstorm that had been dumped on the region at that point. So they actually brought shovels and they were digging down under the snow and digging into the dirt and putting everything on blue tarps and they were sifting through it with sifters to look for anything they fucking could ground is frozen it's gonna take a whole hell of a lot because of weather conditions they had to postpone the search but what they did was they actually blocked the entire area off and it was guarded by police officers until they could come back and search in the I spring they started searching again and it was very slow and they were still sifting and they were walking at arm's length the surface area of racket lake is 4,925 acres. That's a lot. And the shore length alone was 99 miles, and it was pine trees, terrain. It, it was going to take a long time for them to see if they could find anything. At this point, police are, like, not finding anything. They go back to our piss. Then he says to them, well... Haha, <laughs> just kidding. That's not where she is. He told them that he led them on a wild goose chase. And he was not ready to tell them where she was because she was actually buried with another one of his victim's bodies. And he wasn't ready to share that location yet. Who the fuck is this goddamn creature? Well, it seems to me like either he's very overcalculated or he's just one sick fucking... I think he's just a sick fuck. And he likes the the cat and mouse. Yeah, absolutely. So he faked out the cops, used tons of resources, right? And at this point, her family thinks that she's been raped and bludgeoned to death and buried somewhere. And this motherfucker is the only key to telling them where their baby is. To dangle someone's children over their heads like that is just... Well, we've already came to the conclusion that he's a sick, twisted fuck. But now it's like I said, 
He's got the cat and mouse game. He pulls him in, he lets him out. He pulls him in, he lets him out. Well, later, he decides to tell them, so those confessions I made, I didn't really do that. I was just talking for funsies. I would have fucking beat him to death. It was already too late, and he was actually sentenced for both of their murders. At the sentencing, the judge tried to give Lent one last chance to reveal where he had buried Sarah Ann. And his answers to the judge were strictly yes or no. And he left the courtroom without revealing her location. He was sentenced 25 years to life for the murders. I think it should have been longer. And the judge actually told him that if he had been capable of sentencing Lent to death, he would have. During his prosecution, though, I should tell you this too, his attorneys argued that Lent was not mentally competent to stand trial, and he suffered from an unspecified brain disorder, and he told them that he suffered from memory blackouts, um, seeing flashing bright lights, and sometimes hearing voices in his head, and he said that the voice in his head's name is Steven. That's his fucking middle name. You're an idiot. <laughs> He also tried to tell them that all of this was because he was abducted by aliens. The family tried to, they made an attempt to try and get Lent to talk. So Robert, who's Sarah Ann's dad, made an attempt to get his daughter's location out of him. And they used stories of Sarah Ann. They used her favorite Bible verses to try and get him to crack. And in the end, her dad said, whether you accept or repent or go to hell in damnation with Satan, that's your choice. What you do will have no effect on us because we'll be reunited with Sarah Ann in heaven. That's a strong faith to have. I That's, that's a very strong hope and acceptance oh. and believing, yes, yeah. she could be alive or yes, she could be dead. Like, that yeah. is a very strong individual. Uh, yeah. When Sarah Ann's parents spoke to him, he stared straight ahead as if he was looking right through them. When her family said that they believed she was in heaven, this fucking guy nods his head. And then he had the fucking balls to break down and fake like he was going to cry when Sarah Ann's mother started talking to him. Uh, she recounted to him that he admitted to kidnapping her, forcing her into the woods and beating her with a tree limb. And then burying her in a shallow grave without even looking to see if her baby was alive. She showed pictures of Sarah Ann and described her love for dancing and poetry and her unwavering love for God. And then she turned and looked and Lent and said, this is probably a waste of time to express to you that she was a person. You are her murderer. And this fucking guy had the balls to act like he was upset by this. Yeah, no, he is a fucking, no. He's a monster. Like I said, his mommy, whose name is Lois. Hey, now sat across from Sarah Ann's parents in court and claimed that her son was innocent. And she said he didn't speak out because he was terrorized and tortured in jail. And she still says that they sentenced an innocent man. Is she Melanie, still alive? She might not be alive now because you think about it. He was in his forties in 93. Well, what I was getting at is if she was still alive, imagine all the torment she gets. I honestly, I don't feel bad about it. Me, no, me either. But I'm saying, like, imagine, like, all the torment that she gets from just her oh, yeah. son being being that demonic. I mean, listen, 
your child, your child, ma'am, has not only done these things, but he has admitted to doing them and leading police on a wild goose chase to torture a family who's looking for their baby. What kind of fucking monster did you raise? Like, yeah. And what kind of childhood did he have yeah. that led him to this sick yeah. demonology oh. that he's in? Lent is serving a life sentence for the murder of James Bernardo, but he has yet to serve his sentence for New York for the death of Sarah Ann. So he'll never see it, because if he was no. 40 in 93, he's going to no. die in prison. Her parents actually asked the judge to wait a few months for his sentencing of Sarah Ann's case in hopes that he would have a change of heart and reveal where she was. They yeah. really believe in Jesus, because I'd fucking kill the man on the stand. In 2013, this fucking pistain confessed to another abduction and murder. We're just going to go around confessing to motherfuckers everywhere. And, oh, this one's not a high-profile thing anymore, so let's do another one. Woohoo! This time... What is he? What is he? Like, the guy on Criminal Minds that would give Rossi a birth, a uh, death date every time of his birthday? That's what it reminds me of. That's what it reminds me of. This guy is... Like, that's fun. all I'm getting is like, oh, hey, it's been two years. Let's have another one. Yep. This victim was 16-year-old James Lusher, and he was 16 in 1992, and he was living in Westfield, Mass. Was this guy, what was this guy's job? Because it seems like he travels. He was, he was a custodian. He was a handyman. He did, like, odd jobs. He wasn't, so like. He can, so he can travel to, you know, wherever the money's good at that time. Yeah. Yep. Bodiless confessions don't add up to much, right? But this guy is finding some kind of fucking satisfaction just fucking with people's families. I don't understand. You're a sick, disgusting pedophile. And I have heard that he has been beaten quite a few times in prison. But frankly, I don't think it's hard enough. Well, I mean, if he dies, he dies. I am one of those people and love me or hate me. And you can have your own opinions. Everybody's entitled to them. But I am a firm believer that if you hurt or harm a child in these sick, twisted fucking ways, you deserve to be put down like a dog who mauled someone. Oh, yeah. They should be allowed to have one day of, like, letting the family just torment the fuck out of them. It really, honestly, I would like people to be able to decide what happens to their children's... People are now searching for other missing and murdered children that they believe live on a list of Lent's sick perversions, and it is quite a list. Well, now, here's my question, though. If they have this yeah. list, and they, they, have, have list. they have this list, and they have him, yep. now, is there a pattern or a mo like a, a signature of all these children that they believe that are his, or are they just hoping? They are putting this list together based off of the areas he was working at the time. Because, well, you know why I'm asking, because yeah, there are so many, like, look at our case from Canada. There's so many missing people and children. How do they know that he could be part of them if he didn't have Some a signature them, or a motive well, or a... I know. Some of them haven't been found and some of them have. The poor one boy, he beat, like, he, he hung him. Yeah, he lynched. He apparently beat poor Sarah with a branch, like... He obviously does not have one signature 
No. Heart. Whatever is in his sick fucking head at the moment is his flavor of the week. And it's unless it's unless it's the pattern of girl, boy, boy, girl. You know what I mean? Like he rotates two girls, two boys, two boys, two girls type thing. I don't think that's it. Here's our list. Twelve year old Monique Pebbles Santiago. She went by Pebbles. She disappeared. Right? She disappeared in March of nineteen ninety in Albany. Oh my god. She missed her bus near her Washington Avenue home in Albany and she was never seen again. And her mom still to this day maintains that Monique would never run away. She had to have been abducted. That's okay? an hour and 40 minutes from my house. Mm-hmm. 13-year-old Tammy McCormick skipped school on April 29th of 1986. She was last seen leaving Saratoga Springs Junior High School. And she told her friends that she was going to a friend's house and they were going to run away to Florida. Now, they have searched Florida for her. They have, there have been leads in New Hampshire. There have been leads all over the place. So they're kind of on the fence about that one. Well, if she, if she was, not to sound like it matters because it doesn't, but Mm -hmm. if she was planning to run away. Right. And that's why they're having a hard time leaving her on the list. If she was planning on running away, and I hate to say this because I couldn't imagine being the parent, she probably no. did run away. Like, I think he has this list going because there may have been things he's hinting at that they are putting together. Here's one of the oldest victims. Karen Wilson was 21. She's been missing since March 27th of 1985, and she was last seen at a tanning salon in Colony, New York. And she had gone tanning because she was going on a spring break trip in Florida. So, now all these kids yep. are Massachusetts, New York. Yep. Now, so was, for him being a janitor yep. or a maintenance man, mm-hmm. Did anybody check into, like, his father's job at the time or his mother's job at the time? I didn't find anything on his father at all. Because the reason I'm asking is because all I can think of is maybe his family was, like, the traveling, like, um, salespeople. Yeah, like so the- that's, how, that's how he knew the areas as well as he did? Yeah. So now we have Carolyn Alonzak who was 18, and she was from Brunswick. And she was believed to be abducted in January of 1988 at a co group home where she was working. And her body was discovered seven weeks after she disappeared near the Tamahonic Reservoir in Rensselaer County. And she had been stabbed to death. So Wait we have a minute. One body. School? Yep. A bus stop? Yep. A tanning place. Yep. And then this girl was... A group home. She was working at a group home. Now, this makes sense to his jobs, because if he's a maintenance man, all right. those people... Yeah. Even if he was a janitor, they all need cl- people to clean them. It's very possible. Uh, Bobby Gutcase... I probably butchered that and I apologize, was 15 years old and he was from Steventown and he was last seen picking strawberries at a farm and his body was found in July of 83. Sean Guggen was 15 years old and his body was found July 4th of 1992 in Casanova Lake in Madison County. 
I don't think he would do that one. I don't whatever think he would doing, be a lake drowner. Whatever he's doing, he's being he's either hiding them very well or he's what if leaving he's doing the death by water, death by hanging, death by fire, death by Now part of me wonders is it possible that he buried this child too close to the shoreline and he got washed into the lake oh yeah 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 you know what i mean but if still he, it would his... if he like water because it's calming for him or whatever because he's some kind of sick twisted cocksucker right you know but I if he's know. if he's believing that he was abducted by aliens and shit what if he was doing like a yeah. sacramental thing for them uh-huh God damn, this motherfucker could take all day just to try to explain. Oh my god, he's so hard. We're gonna get younger now. I, I don't like the young ones. <laughs> yep. Holly Pyrenine was 10 years old and she was from Grafton, Massachusetts. She was abducted in August on August 5th of 1990 near Sturbridge, Mass. And her body was found in October of 1990 and she was 10. Sarah Pryor was 9 years old when she was abducted in Wayland, Mass in 1985 and she was never seen again. Jimmy Lusher was 16 when he went missing in Westfield, Mass on November 6th of 1992. And also in Bennington, Vermont, an 11-year-old girl from Hudson Falls saw Lent's picture on the news. And she told her family, that's the man that tried to grab me. So on December 30th, I believe it was 1990, while she was shopping with her family, she was grabbed. It was an attempted abduction. Her dad realized what was happening and rushed the guy, and the guy left the store. And the family, you know, they called security and stuff, but they also searched the plaza and the shopping center. They found no man, no car, nothing. So he just left. Later, when Lent's arrest happened, the girl and her father both were able to pick him out of a six-person photo lineup. I feel like he's, either he's really dumb and he's not- He's really dumb. I'm not giving him fucking credit. Well, no, what I'm saying is I feel like he's either really, really dumb and he just doesn't care if he gets seen and caught, or he's really smart in the way of how he goes about things, because nobody can prove that he actually did most of these murders no they can't and that's the problem so is he is he smart in the way he does things or is he just really dumb and people don't understand him i honestly don't know i really don't because i mean he doesn't have a motive no other than he's a sick twisted fuckhead yep he doesn't have a signature no none of these have the same plot none of them have the same nope location none of them have the same no realm so and is he just the, a demonic sick fuck they're putting these lists together based off of where he was in relation to these abductions at that point in time right so, but my thing is too is he doesn't have there's no type so it's not like no. they could say no, he didn't discriminate. He didn't fucking care how old you were. He didn't care if you were a boy. He didn't care if you were a girl. He didn't fucking care. I, I feel. Were. I feel like some of these, and I know this is gonna sound bad because in no way, shape, or form am I voting for him because he's 
No, he's a scumbag, dirtbag, piss stain. Yeah. But I feel like some of these seem a little too far-fetched to be his. I think so too. I think like, they're I jealous. don't think he's I don't think he's smart enough to do some of these because oh, No, I don't think so either. And I think he's either a moron and confessing to things for some kind of sick fucking notoriety or he's just really fucking stupid and Well, then, that's what I mean. I don't feel like he's really smart enough to get what he's saying because no. some of these don't seem like his no. His work of things. No. So, I feel like he's taking credit for, you know, the others. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely he is. And I think if they thought he was doing these things, he's already doing life. You're not getting paroled. You're staying where the fuck you are. Like, right. Why? What does he really have to lose by admitting to these things? exactly like why is he admitting to them if he's already you know what i mean other than some sort of power that he's got knowing this is my secret and i know where these people are and no one else is going to right but i just i don't understand it i feel like i feel like this one's gonna go one of two ways i feel like he's gonna overwork the situation and he's just taking credit for somebody else's stuff yep because ages jump way far yeah and he was only 40 at one point the nine in 90 what three 93 so so in the, the 80s first, if he was doing these in the 80s he had to have had you know he could have taken credit for some of them but unless he's got like a massive ploy yeah, i don't see it as all of them of his yeah i don't understand what the deal is like i just don't get it like I said, when I researched this one, it invoked so many fucking emotions for me. I just, I personally remember how scared I was as a child, but now thinking about it from a parent standpoint too, is terrifying. I will never understand what makes someone do the shit that they do. But like I said, this is about Sarah Ann, and I do honestly feel like he didn't do this. I feel like he thought he was getting some kind of sick fame from this and toying with a family for his own fun. But why Why would you lead them on so many wild goose chases if you know where she is? Well, not like, only that, at this what point. What is the purpose? The fun fact, I had mobile patrol on my phone. Do you know what that is? Yeah. I was actually looking one night in mobile patrol and out in the missing person section, Sarah Ann's photo is still listed in the database you know what's sad though is her parents obviously they've you know they're aged uh -huh. they're in my understanding her parents are still very very involved with the bike ride with the rescue center with all of those things it's something that they took and we're gonna make sure people don't forget and fun fact the rescue center i believe i read somewhere that they have helped 339 missing person cases close well you know honestly though that's awesome in so many ways but it's so sad because yep. they started it to help save themselves yep they did and it's they started and it's so it to sad. bring their baby home and they never fucking will and that's got to be 
I mean, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're overjoyed that they've helped so many, but I'm sure that they're like so distraught. The one we really needed. Yeah. Yeah. It's that the one we really needed, we never got kind of thing. And that's hard. And I mean, I know, I know being that they, the, they're Christian that, that they probably don't actually say it, but I know that as a parent, they probably feel like, like, where is my, how come I can't bring my baby home? That's, I mean. That's, That's how crazy. I would feel, even though I know it sounds selfish. I would be the same way. Like, absolutely, absolutely. I'm glad and no I'm parent could be faulted for that. Like, like, I'm glad I'm helping everybody else. But my God, I would love to be able to be that person on the receiving end. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's you know, every time they do help find someone, the emotions probably have to be all over the place. You're happy you could help, but at the same time, where the You're hell was mine? That's the case of Sarah Ann Wood, and I did not cry. I came real close a couple times, but I think I did pretty fucking good. I hope I did it justice because this one, like I said, is so, it's such a trigger topic for honestly anything of that nature, especially being that close to home. But anything involving a child when we have two 12 year olds ourselves. Oh, it's very hard. But to be growing up when this is actually unfolding around you and to be able to remember and recall those emotions for me was really hard. I, I, I honestly think that this case actually shaped and as sick as it sounds, but it shaped my fascination with why people do this shit because I just, I'll never be able to understand. I don't get it. All I remember possibly get out of this there's that that one time like i said like all i remember is the case of john bernay and i i mean i was always the one to not do princesses and shit like that but she came about and it was like what the hell yeah we all have that one that rocks us down and this one this one for me is one of those i have a few more but this one really really gets me well i can't I can't do John Bonet. That's well, that one's too worldly, and I'm very over opinionated. But I might do it just to do it because, well, she's my jam Everybody, when it comes. To- Listen, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. Let's show ours. Yeah, but I'm an <laughs> asshole. <hole. laughs> yeah, I know. But I love. But you that's for one it. of those cases. I might do it just to do it because I have so many like theories, and I have so many. And my, my dream is to one day, like, take this and be like, oh, my God, our podcast helped reopen and resolve. And it happens. I would love it. I would love cool as hell. To, to say that our podcast helped tip someone off or helped somebody and, think about something in a different way or helped them think the about, hey, we didn't, we didn't think about this or anything. That yeah. would be amazing. It really would. But that's all we have for you guys today. And you know the drill. Like, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. And make sure we all like them. Because we don't want to play with people we don't like anymore. We're too old for that shit. I don't like a lot of people. So make sure they're good people. (laughs) I ain't got time to play nice anymore. Hell no. Nobody wants to. Well, until next time, we'll leave you here. And, uh... What's that? You can't get enough of us. Well, we love you too. 
If you want to keep up on all things Scary Tales and Serials, you can follow us on Instagram at scarytales underscore serials underscore pod and on Facebook at Scary Tales and Serials Podcast. Also, please send us your own true crime and paranormal stories, anything spooky really, and we'll look to read them on an episode of the podcast. Send those stories to serials at gmail.com. And don't forget to like, review, subscribe, and also tell your friends about us as it helps our little podcast grow and every little bit of love helps. Until next time, toodaloo!